0: 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to begin in verse 1. I've asked Chad to do that. I've been wanting him to do that for about a year, and it finally happened because I've uh, been at the school uh, several times and seen Chad evangelize his students. And usually, when they prompt, uh, they ask him questions about his faith. They ask him, you know, sometimes challenge him about what he believes and why he believes it or why he lives the way he does. And Uh, I've seen him firsthand more than once proclaim Christ to students and reason with them and explain to them the gospel. And uh, uh, he's had an impact because the gospel is powerful. That's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. uh, We're currently studying through the book of Matthew. Uh, we're about to enter the section of Matthew, which is essentially Jesus' last days, the, the passion narrative where Jesus goes to the cross, suffers and dies, and then is raised from the dead. For, so we're in this, the last section of the Gospel of Matthew, and that's going to take up essentially m- most of our time or all of our time this fall. But before we get to that, I wanted to take a few Sundays and clarify what I think is the most important truth. We're going to see historically in Matthew what happens to Jesus. And we're going to see the, essentially the, the, the events of the gospel. But I want to before we look at that, and we're going to be looking at that for several weeks in detail, I want to, I want to take a, a bird's eye view of what the gospel is and why it's important over the next couple of weeks. And this morning is 1 Corinthians 15.1. You may not be like me, but I spent many years as a Christian. And I, 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 I did not have the ability to articulate to you what the gospel was. I was trusting in Jesus. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed forgiveness. And I knew Jesus did that for me. And that's about all I knew. And praise God, at one point I found 1 Corinthians 15, 1, which I think contains the, the clearest description of the gospel in the Bible. So we turn and look at 1 Corinthians 15, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Before we look at that passage, I want to ask you a question. What, pre- what was your preoccupation this week? What, what did you think about most this week? What were you focused on this week? What was on your mind for the larger part of this week? Let me ask you a bigger question than that. That's just this week. But What about your life? What defines you? What drives you? What are you living for? What is the driving force of your life? And as Christians, we want it to be the truth. I I would hope anybody would want the truth to drive them. I mean, we don't want to live for a lie. We don't want to merely live for ourselves and then just die. We want the truth to drive us. And that's why I wanted to take this morning and look at what I believe is the, the truth that is of first importance. The truth that is of first importance. The gospel the good news of the gospel, what it is and how clear it is, and then how that affects our daily life. That's what we're talking about this morning. There's a lot of truth in the Bible. The gospel is said to be that truth which is of first importance. For instance, if you're out on your driveway with your five-year-old and it's pouring the rain and there's an electric cable down out on the road and that five-year-old wants to go out and play with that sparkler, Of course, you're not going to let him. You're going to say, absolutely not. You can't go play with that. So it's true that it's raining, but it's also true that that electric line is incredibly dangerous. That is a very pertinent truth at that moment. The truth of the gospel is always that truth which is of first importance for the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, for me as a pastor, the main thing I want you to know is the gospel and know it inside and out. First Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15.1, Paul is of the same mind when he says, Now I would remind you, brothers. So notice, this is a, a reminder to brothers. This is a reminder to Christians. He's reminding Christians of the gospel. The word gospel just means good news. And we're going to see what that is in this passage. What is the good news? Well, we're going to learn very specifically. He's reminding these brothers of the gospel I preach to you. So notice the gospel is proclaimed. The gospel is a verbal message The gospel is transmitted verbally from one person to another. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The gospel is a very simple message about what Jesus did that is to be proclaimed. It's to be spoken. And friends, God uses us to speak it to other people. He also goes on to say, which you received. Here's Here's a reference to what you received. It You took it in. It was given to you. You received it in which you stand. Now, the words preached and received are past tense verbs. The word stand, however, is a bit different. This verb is something that took place in the past, but is continuing to affect your life. That's why, friends, the gospel isn't just something in the past for us Christians. The gospel certainly, we did believe it, we received it, but we continue also to believe it. It continues to affect our life, day in and day out, and not only that, by It says, in which you stand, you're continuing to believe. You're standing in the gospel. The gospel isn't just that, it's not as if we believed it then and then that's it. No, we're continuing to believe it. This is the reception of the gospel. By which you are being saved. That God is saving us. That the scripture speaks of salvation as the fact that God saved us when we believed. God is saving us today. Right now, God is saving you. And one day you will be saved, all by grace, through faith. You're being saved. Here's a condition: if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, the condition is continuing to hold fast. That, that this is part of the nature of true faith. True faith is not just a one-time event in the past. No, true faith and biblical faith continues to believe. Now, obviously, we all have seasons in life, maybe days or weeks when our faith is weaker than at other times. I think it's natural and normal for Christians to have periods of doubt. And when we have those times and periods of doubt, we go to the Word of God and we listen to what God says. And God reassures our hearts of the truth and of the gospel. But the reality is real faith continues to believe. And friends, this room, if I asked this morning, this room is full of people who've believed the gospel for more than 40 years. There's a a bunch of people sitting just around you who have been believers for over 40 years. It's astounding. What a a blessing it is to be in a church surrounded by people who've believed the gospel for years. They're standing in the gospel. They're holding fast in the gospel. That's what faith looks like. And and for those that don't hold fast, he says, you believed in vain that there there are there is a, a faith that is not real faith. It would be empty. A vain faith would be a faith that doesn't continue to believe, doesn't continue to stand. But friends, that's not us. We will continue to believe by grace, and we will continue to stand. That's the reception of the gospel. Now we want to focus in verse 3 on the centrality of the gospel. I want you to see this morning the centrality of the gospel. See the centrality of the gospel, verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance there's a there's a preeminent message here for the apostle Paul and that is the gospel the gospel is the message of first importance this book tells us a lot about God and it's all true and it is all important and it is all glorious and I believe it's majestic and it's the best book you can read but there is a truth that is of first importance because it relates to how we are reconciled to God how we're saved And that is the truth of the gospel. It is central. It is central. I'm helped by Martin Luther who discovered this reality. This is what Martin Luther says. The gospel cannot be preached and heard enough, for it cannot be grasped well enough. Moreover, our greatest task is to keep you faithful to this article. John Piper says this about Paul the Apostle, the author of 1 Corinthians. Paul was utterly mastered, held captive by one great scene in history, a cross on Golgotha and on it the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. We see this all through Paul the Apostle's example in ministry. This man who wrote these letters to these churches to strengthen them and encourage them. Look at what he says earlier in the book of 1 Corinthians where he's describing his ministry. 1 Corinthians Chapter 2 and verse 1. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come, come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Essentially, he's there contrasting himself with speakers of that day and time. In the Greco-Roman world, rhetoric was a big deal and they put on a big show. Paul says my coming to you as a, as a preacher of the gospel wasn't about my show or my eloquence or my vocabulary or my ability. No, no. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now think about it. This is a Gentile, pagan, depraved place, Corinth. And he goes in with one very clear and simple message, and that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ crucified. The gospel message. It is central. If you look at the book of Acts, there, is, there, are, some, there are some themes found all through the book of Acts, which is an early history of the church, which is about the spread of the gospel. And that is is what the book of Acts is about. It really should be the Acts of the Gospel. Because the book is about the Gospel spreading. The main character in the book of Acts is the Gospel. And guess what happens with the Gospel? It's taken. It's it's spread by the people of God. And that's that's the the heart of that book. It's about the Gospel moving through people to other people, to other regions. That's why it ends the way it does. The, The book of Acts doesn't tell you what happened to Paul. It leaves him in prison, but the the end of the book of Acts is about the gospel, the word of God, continued to increase. It continues to spread. Friends, that's that's at the heart of the mission of the church. So let's talk for a minute about our daily life. Some of the things the scripture says to us Christians. I'll just share with you some of the most convicting for me. Philippians 4.4, rejoice always, again I say rejoice. How in the world do you do that? With the stuff you face in life, with the struggle, how do you re- how do you ob- how do you do that? How do you rejoice always? Well, because I'm standing in the gospel, I remember the go- I remember what Jesus did. You see, because no matter what comes to me in my life, no matter what my circumstances are, and in life they're they're oftentimes difficult. Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and He's raised from the dead. That doesn't change regardless of circumstance. Or how I'm feeling today. I mean, I oftentimes don't feel real happy. Don't feel like rejoicing. But Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he was raised from the dead. Or one other scripture that convicts me, 1 Thessalonians 5, give thanks to the Lord always in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. To give thanks in all circumstances. How do you do that? How do you look at X, Y, or Z during the week and My goodness, thank you, Lord. Well, because of the gospel, because of what Jesus did, because no matter what I face, there is always a fundamental fact, a reality, something God has done for us that will never change, and that is Christ crucified, my sins forgiven. That's where I have hope. Or think about our family life, the example we set for those in our family. And you could talk to my family and find out that I'm certainly not the best example in the world. But I want to believe the gospel. And because Christ has died on the cross for my sins and he's raised from the dead, the gospel should affect the way I deal with everyone, first and foremost, my family. I want my family to know that my hope is in Christ. That's my hope. My joy is in an unchanging fact, the most important fact, who Jesus is and what he did. It will affect our hope. What are you hoping in, right? We're hoping in more than just merely a A few victories this football season. Though that could be a good thing. We're hoping in far more than that. We're hoping in Jesus Christ. Died for our sins. Aren't we reminded of our sins every day and on a regular basis? We need help. And God has provided help. And that's the good news of what Jesus did. The gospel is and should be central. Friends, you know the preoccupations of last week will fade most likely. Most of them already have. Maybe the the minor things in life that maybe had you anxious last week, many of them have faded. The preoccupations of this week will fade, but there is a truth that will never fade. There is a truth that is the most fundamental truth of all of life. And until you make it the most fundamental truth in your life, your life will be out of kilter and off. And that is the most important truth about Jesus and who he is and what he did. It's the centrality of the gospel. Secondly, I want you to see the content and clarity of the gospel. The content and clarity of the gospel. What, is the, what had they received? What are they standing in? What are we to stand in? What are we to hold fast? Look at it in verse 3. What I also received, and here's the facts of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He died for our sins, notice, in accordance with the scriptures. But he was buried. Now notice with buried, it doesn't say in accordance with the Scriptures. I think it doesn't say it with that because buried goes with dead. Buried proves that Jesus died. It wasn't a fake. Jesus died on the cross, and this is what the Scripture says. And then he was raised from the dead. The gospel message is about what Jesus did, his death on the cross for sins, in accordance with Scripture, his resurrection from the dead. Now think about the significance of Scripture here. Paul the Apostle, who was himself a Jew, a Pharisee, before he was saved, incredibly familiar with the Old Testament, recognizes this isn't, this isn't something new. This is something God had planned and had revealed all throughout the history of his people. In fact, this is the seemingly the preeminent plan of God all through the Old Testament. What, I mean, even from when Adam and Eve sins, one of the, the things God says to, to Eve is that her seed will crush the head of the serpent. By the way, that seed is singular. It is one of her descendants is going to crush the head of the serpent. What the devil did will one day be undone by one of her descendants, and it's Jesus Christ right there in Genesis 3. And then all through the Old Testament, the Scripture is predicting and looking forward to one who would come. And that's why he died in accordance with the Scriptures. Friend, let me just warn you that there are, there are people in our day. There are people, there are teachers In our day, very popular, who would say what the Bible says does not matter. And they claim to be Christian. They're dead wrong. They're dead wrong. The, 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 The understanding of the gospel is essentially dependent upon the scripture. Where do you learn about Jesus and his resurrection? From the Bible. Paul makes it very clear that the gospel is in accordance with the scripture. That's the content, Jesus' death. He was buried, proving he really died. And he was raised from the dead. And look at the clarity. This is so clear. Aren't you glad? This isn't like some esoteric deep thought. It's very clear what God did, what Jesus did. And you know what? The response is also clear. All through the apostolic preaching, all through the Bible, the response is a call to trust Jesus. Trust what he did for you. In fact, it says it in this passage if you drop down. I'll skip ahead to verse 11. 1 Corinthians 15, 11, Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. You've believed this. Friends, the gospel is clear. It's incredibly clear. Now, there's, there's, there's a legion of misunderstandings about the gospel. Let me just go over one. I'm just going to go over one today, and then I'm going to preach a whole sermon on another one. The, the sermon I'm going to preach in the future, Lord willing, is on legalism. There are people that are trusting in their performance to get them to God or to keep them saved. That's false. Salvation from first to last is based on grace and mercy. So we'll look at that in a couple weeks. One misunderstanding to clarify now is the fact that, which again I think is, is a common thinking in people's minds, because obviously we want to focus on people believing the gospel being saved. There is a, there's a common thinking in the mind of Christians that once you're saved, then you just kind of move past the gospel. You just kind of move beyond it, right? Now on to other things, now on to other teachings, no. As a Christian, we don't ever move past the gospel. We're standing in it. We're holding fast to this clear and simple message about Jesus. And by the way, if, if that's what we're preoccupied with, which we should be, and it's of first importance, it's probably going to come out of our mouth and will certainly affect our life. But the misunderstanding is Christians, yeah, believing the gospel is just relevant to salvation, and then after you're saved, well, then you move on to other things, No. When you're saved, you're still dependent on Christ. You're still trusting. You're still believing. It is still of first importance. Keep in mind, Paul here is reminding brothers of this. He's writing to Christians about the importance of the gospel. He does this in Romans too, the book of Romans. The book of Romans is the most in-depth description of how you're saved, how the gospel is applied to your life. And in Romans 1, he says to Christians, to the church of Rome, his desire is to preach the gospel to you. He wants to come to Rome and preach the gospel to Christians. He wants to make sure Christians know the gospel and are reminded of the gospel. Think about what we do in the Lord's Supper. What are we reminded of? When Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, what are you remembering? You're remembering the facts of the gospel, what Jesus did. It's fundamental and crucial. It's so important to God's people that we remember the gospel. That God has given us a physical sign and a physical act to engage in, the Lord's Supper, to make sure that we remember that and think upon it regularly. I love uh, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is the last letter Paul writes. And my goodness, Timothy's traveled with Paul. Timothy's been discipled by Paul. And Paul is telling Timothy some very profound things in 2 Timothy. Actually, very simple things, <laughs> which we know simple is profound. One of the things he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.8 is, remember Christ Jesus. Well, you would, you would assume that Timothy would remember Christ Jesus. But yet Paul the Apostle reminds him of that. Aren't you so glad for reminders of fundamental, clear, essential truth? The gospel. God wants us to know this for a reason. Well, now in conclusion, what can we do with this? Well, obviously we can teach it to others and should. The gospel is clear. Very clear in the Bible, please make sure others know what it clearly is. Make sure your kids know what it clearly is. Make sure your grandkids know. It's possible you might be the only person that your grandkids clearly hear what the gospel is. You should take this passage and sit down with your children, with your grandchildren, with other family members, and show them, hey, I just want to show you what the Bible says the gospel is. I wish somebody would have done that with me. I had to learn this on my own, which was good. But my goodness, I could have been so marvelously helped. As a young person, if somebody would have just said, here's the gospel very clearly. It's this message about Jesus. Look at it right here. You can do that. You can sit down with an open Bible. Say, let me me show you how simple and clear the gospel is. There's a lot of confused people who might be really helped by that. So teach it. I want to encourage you as a Christian to begin every day with the gospel. To remind yourself of it. Remind yourself daily what Jesus did of his death and of his resurrection. And again, you know, if we're reminding ourselves daily of it, it probably will affect our day, remembering what God did. In fact, if we're reminding ourselves daily of it, it very likely might come out of our mouth at some point. If we're thinking on it daily and recognizing Christ is my hope. Christ is my joy. Look what God did. Praise the Lord. Uh, one, of the, one of the practical things I want to do is help you with that because... Um, We, I think most of us, are creatures of habit. I hope you brushed your teeth this morning. Uh, You probably did it out of habit, probably didn't think about that. You just got up and did it. We build our life around habits. Uh, and, And also we plan. We make plans and we make time for what we value. And we can establish habits in our life. And I think the most important habits we establish in our life, although brushing your teeth is very important, There there are habits that will affect our souls, like reading the Word of God, prayer, proclaiming to ourselves the gospel, and there's a myriad of other things. So one of the things I was convicted about and and did for us last year was uh, I created for us what I called a discipline journal. This isn't for everybody. It was helpful for me and maybe a couple other people, so if it's helpful to you, great, but I'm going to do it again. Last year we did... Uh, essentially a journaling practice over, all, over the summer last year. This year I want to challenge you to do it in the month of September. You know, this is, this is the time of year where a, a lot of people's schedules are, are coming back to a regular routine, right? Um, it's that school routine, uh, for some of us, college football routine. There's this regular routine we're settling back into and it, it w- it's a good time for us to establish or reestablish some habits in our life some disciplines in our life because we want to grow, don't we? We don't want to stay the way we are. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to continue on in, in the sins I've continued on in in so long. I want to f- put them to death. I, 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 don't, I don't want on Saturdays to forget to pray. How easy is it in the, the throes and busyness of life to forget to pray? Well, one of the things that I've found that helps with that is daily evaluation of myself. And again, this is not for everyone, but I, I think it can be helpful. To take a month, and all month long, every day, at the end of the day, sit down and take inventory. What did I do today? So this this going help you in your secular life. This isn't, this isn't or your, your job. This isn't just about spiritual disciplines. How did, would I use my time at work? What could I have done differently or better? Friends, we want to change and, and become faithful. I think it's part of my responsibility as a pastor to push you to, to greater faithfulness in the month of September than we've had in the previous month. Right? We think about what, what was on our mind last week. What was our preoccupation? And, and what is going to be our preoccupation next week? I mean, was it anxieties? Was it frustrations? I well, my goodness, starting the, the day with the gospel would certainly help... Set our perspective on days like that. So if you want one of these discipline journals for the month of September, there's a sign-up sheet out there on the round table. You can sign up for it, and I'll make it for you. Lord willing, <laughs> I'm going to try. Uh, this, I, I, and we're going to start in September. We're going to go September 2nd through the 30th. And I want to challenge you to evaluate how you're living your life, what you're thinking on, how you're living. Because, friends, we need to think about what will define the rest of our days what will define us, what will shape us. Friends, I would just put before you, it first and foremost should be the, the, the most important truth of the gospel. And putting that before ourselves every day and finding every help we possibly can to put that before us every day will help us trust in God and trust Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the clarity of, of your word uh, that, that God of Forgive me for the times and ways I've muddled the truth. God, help us to see the clarity of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. And that this is good news for sinners. That God, you you sent your own son to die for our sins. We praise your name and thank you for that, Lord. Pray our trust, all of our righteousness is in him. Not in what we do or could do. We trust Jesus and him alone to, to bring us to God. Thank you, Lord, for this simple message and this glorious truth. And I pray, God, it would define us. And it would define and shape our lives. That daily, Lord, we'd be living out and speaking this truth. And always trusting in Christ. Holding fast to the good news that's been preached to us, Lord. May that be the theme of our life. And the defining element of who we are and what we will be. That it be this glorious truth of Christ. And crucified and raised again, ruling, reigning Lord, to whom we will all give an account. So Lord, help us to love you because of that. And because of who you are. With all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Lord, help us to love one another. Help us, God, before we leave today, to consider how we can stir one another up to love and good works. How we can encourage one another. And how we can build each other up. And I pray, God, that this great truth, this truth of first importance would build us up and equip us to live in a wicked world and in a difficult context that we would be faithful to stand in the gospel. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. We call you to believe the gospel and trust Christ. If you need any prayer help, we'll be here for you to pray. If you, if you have questions about being a Christian, living the Christian life, joining the church, being baptized, meet with me afterwards. I'm here to help you. I want to help you with these most pressing matters of life.